This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 18th, 2019. Confidence Killers Fear. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Good morning. This is a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. Amen. 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 I want to give an extra shout out. Yesterday morning, we have a group of uh, men and women who come in about 5.30 to go out and help the vendors find their spots. We do that. We've done that for several years now to help out with the Peach Festival. Actually, they give us a free booth in exchange. But just a shout out to you, 5.30 men and women. Thank you. Yeah, they're always tickled when I call them and say 5.30. They just, you know, they just really enjoy that. Anyway, today we finish our series. We've been doing the last two weeks. We finish it. It's called Confidence Killers. You know, just as we've said before, just there are silent killers in the medical world like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, sleep apnea, other things like that. There are silent killers out there that we don't talk about because they don't kill the body, but instead they, they kill our confidence. And that's what we're looking at today. Confidence killers, the one our focus is on is the confidence killer known as fear. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just looked over there and I saw two people who are from the church that I used to serve. And you helped shape me and form me into who I am today. Thank you, Shirley and Jane, for being here this morning. One other thing I want to say is out at the table in the lobby, uh, Miss Edna has uh, a table that has doTERRA bags. It's a drug deactivation system. It's really important to get rid of your um, medicines uh, in a proper way, and so stop by the table in the lobby. I would like to pray for us as we get started. Would you bow your heads, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's no accident that any one of us are here this morning. Thank you to those who are here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road and those who are joining us online. Find us together, Lord, open our hearts that we might be changed and transformed by your love. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So today we are talking about Fear. Fear, it's an unpleasant emotion. It's caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, um, could cause pain, is a threat. Most of us are afraid of something, one thing or another. But when those fears become persistent or even obsessive, we have special names for them. You might know them as phobias. We want to just share a couple of phobias with you. First is claustrophobia, fear of being in a constricted, confined space. The next fear, I can't even say. Musophobia, fear of mice. Yeah. No kidding. I had a dream that a mouse last night was biting my fingers and I couldn't get the mouse off. It is Better than that, when we lived in Seaford, a mouse, a real live mouse ran across the the baseboard in the living room, and Carrie shouted so loud, screamed so loud, that Mouse did a flip and kept running. <laughs> yeah, true story. Right. 
I don't have this. I have the fear of mice, but I don't have arachnophobia, but some other people do. It's a fear of spiders. Or We're so glad that our pilot, Dave, does not have this one, aerophobia, fear of flying. That would be a dangerous thing. That would thing. be a mess. Some people have aquaphobia, fear of water, fear of heights, acrophobia. Um, Courtney gave me permission to say this. Uh, Cholrophobia, fear of clowns. Mm. Um, and this is berries. Jeffreyophobia, fear of bridges. bridges. <laughs> here's yeah. some. Here's some others uh, as well. Escalophobia, a fear of escalators. Emetophobia, a fear of vomiting. Um, chronometrophobia. You got to go over that one a couple times before you say it. Chronometrophobia, a fear of clocks. I might have that sometime. It just goes too fast. Yeah. Here's one. Carrie took off, but I'm putting Don't. back on the list. V Venustrophobia, fear of beautiful women. I don't have that fear, Carrie. We're good. We're good. We're good. But then the flip of that is Wiccaphobia, fear of witches. <laughs> and then omnophobia, and that's just a fear of everything. Everything. The thing is, all of these are real. Now, you might not have it, but, but somebody... Otherwise, does or otherwise it wouldn't have made the list. These just aren't made up. They're fears. We have fears, and our fears are real. And when these fears are severe enough, like a phobia, they can cause us to restrict our activity. They can rob us of our freedom. They can kill our confidence, can't they? If we let them. Now, there's a guy in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, whose fears, they were limiting him until God stepped in. His story is found in the sixth, sixth, chapter 6 through 8 of the book of Judges. Here's part of his story. So the Israelites were once again, and that's the key, they were once again doing evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, that was their pattern. They would be faithful for a while, and then they would stray, and then faithful, and then stray. And the problem is, their stray time out numbered their faithful time <laughs> and um, in chapter 6 we read where thanks to the evil they were doing the Lord for seven years put them in the hands of their enemy they were the Midianites the Midianites they were so oppressive to the Israelites that the Israelites found themselves hiding in caves and where else any place else they could hide the Midianites would come in and just decimate the crops that the Israelites planted. They would kill their livestock. It got so bad that the people, the Israelites, finally cried out. Now, that could be the first problem. They should have been crying out all along and being faithful, but they finally cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord heard their cries, just as the Lord hears our cries. And then sent a prophet to remind the Israelites how God had freed them from slavery in Egypt and also how God did not want them to worship any other little g-gods and how they had not listened to God time and time again and had turned away. Hmm. And so then God sends an angel to visit a guy named Gideon. Maybe you've heard of Gideon. If you've ever been in a motel room, you've probably seen a Bible in the drawer uh, by the Gideon Society. That's, he didn't start that. He didn't start the Gideon Society, but they used that name uh, because of what he ended up doing. Anyway, the angel of the Lord found Gideon 
threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, this is an interesting picture because threshing wheat in those days wasn't where you used a combine. You used basically like a, kind of like a screen where you'd throw it up, the wind would take the chaff, hopefully, and the, and the seed that, or the grain would then fall straight down and you would be able to separate. Now, he's in a wine press that has walls about this tall. They put the grapes in there. Hopefully, their feet were clean because they'd press them down with their feet. And they didn't want the wine losing, you know, the liquid. So it had high walls. It's, now, the whole point of threshing wheat is for the wind or the air to sweep across and to separate. How can it do that when the walls are this high? You get in the picture here? It, it, they're at odds with each other. It's like an, like an oxymoron, a wine press to thresh wheat in. But that's what he's doing. And the reason is, is because he's afraid. He's afraid of the Midianites. And for good reason. They're not nice people. They're killing the Israelites. So um, that's what's going on. And uh, here he is trying to still thresh the wheat, trying to do his job. But he's there because of fear of the enemy. He's trying to hide while he's still going about his business. So I'm reading Judges 6, verses 12 through 16, if you have your Bibles, and the words are also on the screen. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. He's trying to be so polite. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. I always have to laugh when I read or hear this passage, and I've read or heard it many times, when you hear mighty warrior. He's hiding in a wine press, for crying out loud. And yet he says, mighty warrior, the angel. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But when we give it some thought, though, we're reminded once again here that God sees things that we don't. God sees things we don't. God sees what we can be, what we will be out there rather than just who we are right here. You know, God calls people into service that we would never dream of calling into service. That's because God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. And we aren't, plus the fact, when God takes us and leads us, there's no telling what we might do. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at this scripture a little bit more. Gideon wonders about this opening statement, you know, mighty warrior. And then he thinks, well, if God is with us, why are we getting beaten up here by the Midianites? I mean, really, what happened to all the wonders that God has shared as he delivered his people out of Egypt? And God does tell Gideon, go in his strength and save Israel from Midian's hand. And then God says this, three words, I, oh, four words, I am sending 
you. Hmm. Important words. Hmm. Say those four words. I, I am sending. sending you. Those are four really important words for each of us to remember, to kind of stick in our pocket for future reference. But at this point, Gideon's not buying it. <laughs> How can I save Israel, he says. He asks, my clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh. You know, that's one of the 12 tribes. Well, in the tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my family. In other words, I'm the weakest of the weak. I'm the least of the least. How can I, Gideon, possibly lead mighty Israel to victory over mightier Midian? And the answer God gives him is simple. I will be with you. God will be with you. Say it. God will be with you. Let's change that last word to me. God, God will, will be, be with, with me. me. Yeah. And you, Gideon, will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Wow. And be, basically God's telling Gideon to rely on God and not on his fears. And Gideon will then be victorious. But Gideon is fearful. And fear is a confidence killer, isn't it? Yeah, big time. In fact, it, it might be our greatest confidence killer. Well, he is fearful, and so Gideon asked for a sign. Have you ever asked for a sign? Like, he wasn't sure if he was really hearing from God, so he wanted to know it was God that he was dealing with, and God is so patient. God was patient with Gideon. God is so patient with us, and he gives Gideon the sign that he was asking for, and in chapter 7, we read where Gideon does defeat the Midian the Midianite army. I mean, it is incredible. And what's incredible about it is Gideon had an army of 32,000 against the Midianite army of 135,000. 32,135,000. about four to one. All right. And so God then tells Gideon that he's got too many men. His army's too big. We're like, seriously? And so God whittles down that army. He shrinks Gideon's army to a mere 300, <laughs> 300, 135,000. Oh my goodness, 450 to one in favor of the Midianite army. But this does not take into account what Gideon has. Gideon has God on his side. And God made sure that Gideon knew that this had nothing to do with Gideon, that the defeat of that army, that powerful army, <clears throat> had nothing to do with Gideon. It was all God. Reminds us of our statement here, with God all things are possible, possible right? So long story short, God tells the Israelites to blow trumpets and to smash jars in the Midian camp. In other words, it's at nighttime. It's going to cause confusion. It's going to Raise them up out of their sleep. It's going to make them wonder what's going on. It's going to make them think that there are more Israeli, Israeli soldiers than were really there. And that plan they did, and that plan worked. And the Midianites fled as the Israelites followed. And the Israelites then sent some messengers ahead, calling out some reserves to help. And in the end, the Israeli army was victorious. 300 defeating 135,000. Wow. Under the leadership of Gideon, 
but under the authority of God. That's the key, under the authority of God. Confidence restored, that's what faith will do. The weakest of the weak, Gideon, was victorious when he exchanged his fears for faith. Or as like we would like to call it sometimes, frog, F-R-O-G, fully relying on God. And Gideon didn't have to do it. He could have said, no thanks, <laughs> adios. He had a choice and he chose to have faith over fear. Just like you and I, we always have a choice. And the question is, what are we going to choose? The question is, what are you going to choose? We read in the New Testament when Jesus is about to come to this earth in the flesh, um, we read about fear. It's not uncommon. You might remember the angel Gabriel saying to Mary when she finds out that uh, she is highly favored. Ooh, that's kind of scary. You're highly favored, says God to Mary. But the angel says, do not be afraid. And then the angel visits the fiancé, Mary's fiancé, Joseph, who is ready to divorce her quietly. He says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then we read again in the Bible about when the angels visited the shepherds. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. All these cases of fear, the one who is fearful is told to not be afraid, to not be troubled. To, I like it, this one, just two words, fear not. Say it with me, fear not. See, we can't be faithful and fearful. They, they don't have, we don't have room for both. You've got to be one or the other. Which is it going to be? Faith and fear do not occupy the same space. Throughout the scriptures, fear is sent packing when the people put their faith in God, the Father. Throughout the scriptures, um, fear takes a holiday when the Son, Jesus Christ, enters the picture. Throughout the scriptures, faith replaces fear when the people's strength comes from God's Holy Spirit. We mentioned David quite a bit, King David, King of Israel, a man after God's own heart. You might remember him as shepherd boy David who slew the giant Goliath with just a sling and a stone. Well, David wrote a lot of the Psalms that we read in the Bible. They're great uh, words of comfort and hope. And he talks about fear in quite a few of them, but we're going to lift up Psalm 56. And he writes this in response to being seized by the enemy, the Philistines. He writes this, be, be merciful to me, my God. For my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. <laughs> what can mere mortals do to me? So David doesn't <laughs> claim no fear, but he says, when I'm afraid, 
I'm going to put my trust in you. And so it's human nature to be afraid. But when we fear that creeping in, we just need to say, okay, I'm going to put my trust in you. That's what David does. What can mere mortals do to me? I'll put my trust in you, God. See, the one who likes to instill fear is Satan, pure and simple. There's an article from an August 18, 2018 blog, the title of which is, Fear is the Devil's Most Powerful Weapon. Great title. The author is uh, 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 Father Bill Peckman, from a Missouri pastor, an author, is quoted in this article as saying this. He says, fear, by its very nature, brings division. It tears us apart and makes us doubt the goodness of God. Yes, fear is the devil's most powerful weapon. Fear allows Satan to, to inject us with those doubts that cause us to wonder if we can even trust God, if, if we can believe God, if, we, if God can truly love us as deeply as we're told he does. And the challenge then is once we start down that fear-filled path, it can become a really big mess very quickly. We've got to remember, and we say this many weeks, that Satan's goal is to steal our joy, kill our dreams, and destroy our lives. That's the goal. While God simply wants to love us, simply wants to forgive us and to save us, but Satan plants those seeds of doubt and fear in order for us to not trust God, to not listen to what God has in store for us, to not embrace the truth of the scriptures. God wants us to just take one step of faith at a time. You know, going into ministry can be pretty scary, frightening for many of us. I was blessed because my main spiritual gift is faith. That doesn't mean we're not all faithful, but those spiritual gifts kind of is, is kind of a bonus of it. It's like, you know, I'm not because of me, but because of what the Holy Spirit instills in me allows me to be at peace, even when you're not sure what's coming, even when things look pretty crazy or not so promising. That doesn't mean to say there weren't some challenging, some difficult, even fearful moments along the way, but faith certainly does overcome fear. And it allows us to listen to God rather than to those inner voices of uncertainty. Building this ministry from just 14 families was a step of faith that just didn't involve us, but involved so many of you. And then also building this church, oh my goodness, you know, when the bids came in $2 million over, Ooh, that was kind of craziness, but with faith and God's help and just keeping on, keeping on, seeing what God could see, boy, did we realize and see what God can do. This has nothing to do with us. It's like we were like Gideon. Our army was taken way, way down, so we were sure that this building on 4744 Summit Bridge Road is a gift from God but it's not about the building, it's to do ministry and make an impact in our community. So here we are in God's house, and we are compelled to take what we've heard and what we experienced, the love of God, and connect others with Jesus and the new life he offers. So we come to that um, 
all-important part of the message where we ask you a question. And the question, of course, today is, so what are you afraid of? What's your fear? Fears, what are your fears? What's your greatest fear? Maybe it's loss. Loss. Maybe it's the loss of material stuff. Maybe loss of a house, loss of a car, loss of some of the stuff that is crucial to you, or at least seems to be. Or maybe it's loss of a job. You know, maybe you're in a company that's say a little shaky or something and you fear the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of your health or the health of somebody close to you. Or maybe it's the actual loss of somebody who is close to you. Family member, friend, loved one. Maybe that's your, maybe that's your greatest fear. And they're legitimate. Those are legitimate fears, but you know, we, we look to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. Found, we find him in the Old Testament. And, you know, they had lost. The Israeli community had been uh, sent to Babylon when Jerusalem fell. They'd been taken out of their homeland, and they were living there for like 70 years. You talk about a loss of everything they knew and was dear to them and they loved. But we read in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says through Jeremiah to the people. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. And then here's the key. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. No matter what we fear of losing, God has a plan for each of us for hope and a future. And God will be with us along the way, even if we do have loss, even if we don't carry with us what we had hoped to carry with us, even if we don't carry with us those whom we had hoped we'd carry with us, God will be with us because he has a future, a bright future planned for each and every one of us. Yeah. Maybe you're, um, maybe, maybe you're afraid of change. Change is kind of scary. And then when we left Seaford after 24 years and came up here, it was kind of, oh, we didn't know what to expect. We were from Newark, not from Middletown. You know, we know what to expect in this place. You know what I'm saying here. <laughs> they say that the only one that likes change is a baby, and they cry through it. You know, a lot of us don't like change. And yet change is important, isn't it? If you hadn't changed, you wouldn't be sitting here right now, would you? No. Change is crucial. In fact, that's what the kingdom is all about, change and transformation into a relationship with Jesus Christ. No change, you know, we definitely are lost. In the, in the uh, book of Exodus, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy, we read of where Moses is on the edge of the river, and God's told him, you're not crossing into the promised land after 40 years of leadership. Wow. Can you imagine that one? And so he's handing the reins over to Joshua. Joshua's the second in command. Can you imagine being Joshua and just what? I mean, this is the nation of Israel, a couple million people, and all of a sudden you're filling these sandals of Moses. Wow. And here's, here's what the Lord says through Moses. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Say, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. Say, I, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. And do not be discouraged. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're afraid of the uncertainty of the future. Because none of us has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring, but you can guarantee it's going to be a little different than today. I was out there today talking to somebody, and I don't think it was their best day. And I said, you know, I had a guy on my staff when I was with Prudential. I used to say, you know, some days you get peanuts, some days you get shells. You know? And those shell days are tough, aren't they? Yeah. I love peanut days. Shell days are a little tougher. And we get those, don't we? God never said, I'm not going to give you any shell days. And that's part of that uncertain future, isn't it? We don't know what it's going to bring. We just don't know what it's going to bring. But we look here, and Jesus shared this in Matthew 11th chapter, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Those days, are, they, they cause us, they wear us out just thinking about those shell days, don't they? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, Jesus says, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. What are you clinging to, he says? What are those fears? Basically, let them go. Give them to me. Let's make an exchange. Give me your fears, and you take on a relationship with me. That, that yoke of Jesus. That, and it's, it's, it's not a tough, if you just say, Jesus, here. Maybe some of you know what we're talking about here. Maybe you have that relationship with Jesus. So you know what we're talking about. But maybe some of you haven't. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you. What do you want? Do you want to carry those burdens, especially that burden of fear the rest of your life? Jesus says, make an exchange. Give me your fears. Just all you have to do is say, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. From what I understand, Jesus, you're the Savior. Please come into my life. Please forgive me my sin. Help me to go in a new direction where I can let go of all this junk I'm carrying around. You know, you can't accept what God has in store if your hands are filled up with junk, especially with fear, can you? Because fear and faith don't occupy the same space. You've got to dump the fear if you want to take on the faith. Amen? Amen? And then he finishes by saying, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's the good news. So let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for your promise to never leave us, to never forsake us, that your love stretches as far to the east, to the west. And Lord, thank you for your love that is not dependent on anything we do or don't do, but it just is. It's that amazing grace. For your word found in scripture, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord says, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. And for me, God, I thank you so much for that life first that you've given me, that you fight for me, you fight for all of us. And so we don't need to be afraid, but we can just walk it out knowing that you are before us, behind us, and all around us. Help us trust in you one more step each day. I pray this in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. 
For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.